just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. And it's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. Oh, I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. Perfectly, the ball's just dropped. The Saints are four for five on third down tonight. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by Zapardo's Family Market and AGI Specialty Valves. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host Sean Haspel. Allison Pratt might be joining us halfway through, so if she shows up, you'll know, and we'll know. And if not, then she won't, just like the Saints. Um, we're also joined by Bryce, who may or may not exist and or say something, prove to the world that he exists. We'll see. Anyway, uh, it's been uh, <laughs> a, a, a bad couple days in the Houdat Nation. The Saints, as you all know, Lost to the Jaguars last Thursday night, 31-24 to on national television. Uh, well, is Amazon Prime National TV? You know, whatever. Yeah. On a big streaming service. Um, and we're all really sad because the game like, uh, was kind of a nightmare for like people who are hoping for changes within the organization because it looked like we were going to get our asses kicked. And then we came back and looked really good on offense and blew it anyway. Um, so, Sean, I don't know about you, but like, I'm I'm done with this team. Uh, they've gotten worse every week. I don't think this group is going to improve, and I think the season is kind of DOA. Like, it, it's pretty much over. You know, we'll we'll probably hang around, but we're going to get a similar result uh, as to last year. We'll finish around 500, miss the mm -hmm. playoffs by a game or two, and we're all going to be really disappointed. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much summed it up. Um, uh, you can't spell DOA without DA. And um, uh, we're pretty much the same team as last year, uh, but it's more frustrating because we're not as hurt. Um, so there's just really – it's like really our, our inadequacies are kind of laid bare, and uh, DA's – faults and the reason why he is one of the worst head coaches statistically just based on win percentage um but then also like nowadays his his use of like or his failure to embrace like modern analytics and stuff are just like laid bare um in his like refusal to change refusal to like force the offense to um, adapt and evolve and become uh not stagnant and not like ahistorical um and yeah the it, and it's just so frustrating because just like last year the nfc south is still a joke that the falcons bucks game this weekend was just perfect encapsulation of that and we're going to be like fighting quote unquote tooth and nail with these like mediocre at best teams 
for the right to host like the Cowboys in the first round of the wild card playoffs. And it's such a low bar to clear the fact that like none of us really even think DA will clear it. I mean, like maybe like nine and eight is probably the ceiling for this team at this point. Um, I'll just say that, yeah, it's, it's super frustrating and this team is basically the same as last year uh, with like nine and eight being the ceiling um, at this point. And I'm just ready to, like, it's like very clear that Dennis Allen is never going to get it. So whether like he does enough yeah, in the people whose matters opinion to get another year or not, like it's just prolonging the inevitable. Yeah. I mean, like, thanks for the stat, Bryce. I mean, he's 18 and 40, 42 as a head coach. I think that's like bottom five by Wayne percentage for a coach who's coached, I guess that's 60 total games in their, his, his career um, of all time in the NFL. So he's like literally historically bad. And like we've talked about in previous episodes, he's done nothing to earn the benefit of the doubt to like butt up against that. So provide a counterweight. And, and yeah, yeah, so it's really just about thinking about what, what happens next. Well, okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. And because I, I do slightly, I mean, look, I would be probably happy if they fired Dennis Allen tomorrow, but I, I do slightly disagree that he is like the root of the problem here. Um, like he as a defensive coach is probably incapable of uh, fixing the offense on a micro level, but he is responsible for the macro decisions in terms of the coaching staff. And it like, there's no issues with the defense this year. The defense is better than it was last year. And it is arguably the best defense in the NFL. The problems are really with the offense and yeah, one, uh, I don't want to say interesting, but a wrinkle that has come to light in the days since the game is that there seems to be a growing concern that maybe Pete Carmichael is not the biggest problem with the offense. It might actually be Carr and Derek Carr's decision-making uh, and his vision, his ability to see the field. Um a lot's been made of his missed reads. Uh, there was a really interesting video that, uh, Sean, I don't think I shared it with you all, but it was sent to me by my cousin, Aaron. Um, it's like a 40 minute. The QB school, the QB with school Sullivan, with, former yeah. Saints quarterback, JT O'Sullivan, former Aaron Brooks backup, JT O'Sullivan, who breaks down a lot of, uh, cars, questionable decisions. And, I'm starting to wonder if like he just ain't it. And, you know, maybe may, I've been saying for weeks, you know, our receivers don't seem to be getting open. Maybe they are open and Carr's just not seeing them. Yeah. Um, a lot was made about Derek Carr's blowups on the sideline during the Jags game. I kind of don't care about that as much. Like I would, I actually appreciate the fact that like someone is saying something and yeah. is demonstrative on the sideline 
Um, I'd rather see that than see people mope around or just say mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and then there's all this shit that's come to light with Chris Olave. We've been discussing for weeks that uh, Olave doesn't look right. And it's been discussed by people who have sources on the team. I'm referring to Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast that the team is, has not been happy with Olave's play strength and his effort. And that seemed to really uh, be evident on Thursday night, especially on that, that go route that Derek Carr just launched 50 yards out of bounds. And uh, like Chris Olave stopped running on it. And I think that was the play that got singled out um, for Carr, like screaming at someone on the sideline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another interesting point that I, I heard brought up um, actually on a fantasy football podcast. Um, and uh, Bryce mentioned it here in our little chat is like Derek Carr, all he does is check down. And though the point that these fantasy football guys made was that Alvin Kamara has been great for fantasy football because he has like 15 catches a game, but he's become a crutch for Carr. And we were winning games when Kamara wasn't on the field and hmm. Carr didn't have that guy to check down to, and he had to throw the ball down the field. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting point. Do you agree or disagree? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like what would you, would you be mad if the saints, if, if we finish the season somewhere around 500 Dennis Allen was retained, but under the stipulation that the entire offensive coaching staff has to go and they've got to get someone else in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we've been begging for substantial personnel changes as, I mean, really coaching changes on, on offense um, for weeks now. I mean, well, really since the end of last season. And uh, I mean, there were those Sunday splash reports that, Pete Carmichael he was on his last stand ahead of the Patriots game. And then he had a good game, but then it's kind of like proven that that was maybe more of a fluke than anything with uh, us really struggling on offense for the better part of four of our last five games. I mean, well then really in the first two games as well, but um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a given that the offense, the offensive staff, is going to need to turn over one way or the other after this season, like whether that's under DA or, or the next coach. So, um, I mean, just if, if you listen to Nick Underhill, he's just becoming increasingly more resigned to the fact that the problems, like the structural foundational problems of this offense are just not going to change mid-season. Um, and, man, it's just – I've just been so down just with the, the discourse around everything because there's so many, like, dirty hands. Like, the for, for the first couple of weeks when our offense struggled, the offensive line was so glaringly – an issue that it was kind of easy for us to, I don't want to say scapegoat them because they deserved the blame um, for basically being completely healthy, but still really struggling. 
Um, and they and they, and they have had injuries uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, we we played this game with our without our top two tackles, but the rest of the offense has been so shaky. I mean, obviously from like the design of the offense and the play calling to Carr's execution of it to wide receivers making mistakes, to the O-line continuing to struggle, um, that it's like, it's really hard to like accurately assess the blame. And it leads to just like some wild discourse on Twitter. Like, uh, I mean, I, I don't think y'all are terminally as online as I am and probably most of our listeners aren't either, but there was like a bit of a, civil war on saints twitter today between uh, i guess like the uh saints saints block party podcast guys like dat boy wolf and, and adam his, his co-host they i guess more or less reported that their sources have said that like at some point during his so it was was it juge was juge involved yeah he was on the other side of this so okay. um so basically you had one Saints podcast saying that, according to their sources, uh, at some point, like in the offseason, either like in cars recruitment or like right after they signed, like he was like pretty vocal about not wanting to have Taysom take his take snaps from him moving forward, like this this season. Yeah. And then Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast like reported that his sources say that wasn't really true. And then like, you can just like very obviously point to Derek Carr's intro press conference when he was like, I'm really excited to like catch a touchdown pass from Taysom. Like, ha ha ha. I'm sure like both of those things could be true to an extent, but like the back and forth between those two podcasts got like really nasty with like allegations of like racism being thrown around. And it was, it was pretty bad. Um, oh my God. But, I didn't know about this. this is breaking yeah, news to me. Yeah, man. It's like, again, I'm terminally online. So it, I, it wouldn't be worth your time to dig back and try to uh, run uh first autopsy on it. But um, we but, know that Juge has pretty good sources. In the yes, he does. He does. Um, but I mean, I don't want to say anything bad against like um, the Saints block party pod guys either because they they do have some sources as well and they're they're really good at what they do so not that they listen to this i'm sure but um but i only bring all that up to say that like <laughs> the signing of Derek carr was supposed to be like pardon the like christian like metaphor but like the second coming like not of like drew Brees per se but like the next quote-unquote franchise quarterback for the saints to like kind of steady the waters, steady the book, steady the ship rather um, from like the two year hiatus that we've had, we've had, we really haven't had a franchise guy since, since Drew's retirement. Um, but his, his career with us so far has just proven to be like a disaster. Um, and how much of that is like his fault it's really impossible for us to like properly account for. Right. But just like the vibes are bad. The vibes are bad. And like Chris Olave is a guy who 
like his whole the whole scouting report on him coming out of OSU was that he was like basically like a fresh out the box like turnkey pro wide receiver like just like a like a captain like right. straight laced dude like very professional and I mean whether his struggles this year have been like physical or like, I mean, he had that toe injury and like some people think he got like maybe had an undiagnosed concussion for a little bit. Um, like, like something is, is rotten and there's like a, I mean, again, pardon the metaphor, but like a, like a cancer somewhere in the team and it needs to be cut out. Yeah. And whether that's, I mean, shit flows downhill and people and especially football players like look to their leaders to lead them. And if you don't believe in your leaders, then like the downstream domino effects of that are just disastrous. And if the offensive like personnel group, especially the quarterbacks and skill guys have lost like faith in Pete Carmichael, then like it all just stumbles downhill from there. Yeah. And it's, and it, but it's crazy because they, I mean, they still pay like lip service, like to him. And like, I mean, Juwan Johnson was like very public and forceful in his like defensive Pete um, and like a lot of Saints fans like went at him. It was kind of funny. Uh, he's supposed to be back this week, by the way, which hopefully should help the offense because I actually do think that he's been kind of a missing piece for us for the last basically month. Um, and hopefully like the middle of the field, which is not being attacked at all right now, he can maybe open up, open that up some. Um, but yeah, but yeah, something, something's bad. And everyone's pointing fingers at everyone both like seemingly in the team and certainly in the fan base. And it's just, there's, there's like no one boogeyman besides like the ultimate boogeyman of like DA basically. But like, yeah. Um, well, you know, as much shit we've talked about Sean Payton since he stabbed us in the back and left, you know, the, the one thing that we have said about him and was that like, he brought, with him, a culture of accountability. Supreme and he was, accountability. He yes. was a taskmaster, and he, like, every single detail was important to him. Uh, infamously, right down to, like, the number of colored Sharpies that were on the table during team meetings. Yeah. And it seems like that attention to detail has been lost, right. especially last year, maybe not as much this year, uh, or at least on defense. Um, but another thing was that, like, he didn't suffer any fools. Like, if there was a player that spoke out or he didn't get along with, they were getting traded to New England for a ham sandwich. Yeah. Like Brandon, Brandon Cooks. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm starting to think that, like, Olave is a doo-doo head. Um, it, he got arrested yesterday for speeding, um, and <sighs> which is whatever. Like, you know, people make mistakes, but then the body cam footage – got released and he was kind of meekly 
like trying to bribe his way out of honestly i mean i feel like we all probably would too if we were him in that situation so yeah um and yeah like the kenner (laughs) uh bryce who may or may not exist um just just made a great note that it was a trash movie by the kenner police department who like had never like hadn't posted anything on their youtube in like five years and then like just like posted that today of course they did yeah it's a a a rating sensation yeah it's like pretty gross okay super conspiracy theory do you think the saints told the kinder pd to like release the video to like try to rein the lave back in a little bit maybe you know that is a move that reeks of sean payton so maybe someone in the building uh learned a bit from him over the years yeah it it's not impossible i we obviously have no reason to believe that it would be but we also don't have a reason to not believe Mm. that it would be true truth is out there yeah It's, it's the known knowns and the known unknown the unknown knowns and the known the only knows. way that that arrest video out. could have gone more viral was if he had been arrested by the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department and Steven Seagal while he was on duty. Oh yeah. Steven Seagal long. I, I saw I saw I saw some Twitter jokes that like if he had been pulled over by the NOPD, they'd be like, Man, what the hell's wrong with Carr? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, but uh they would have given Alave yeah. a weapon to take back to the Saints facility. Gosh. But speaking of heel turns, I uh, I hesitate to put this on the record, but like I think it would be kind of like hilarious if the Saints hired John Gruden. Yeah. Like for real to fix these problems because he is in the Sean Payton mold. I I I don't think he would take any shit from any of these young players and yeah he knows how to get the most out of car and of course none of us support the things he said in those emails it's horrible uh but like at the same time it would probably give goodell an aneurysm an aneurysm and yeah. uh um, that would put a yeah. smile on a lot of saints fans. I, I mean da made it pretty clear that like he is not bringing anyone in from the outside like midseason, which is like understandable. But like he also like he also almost kind of shut down some like leading questions about whether he was going to make some internal moves, like essentially like we've talked about demoting uh, Pete um, away from that or down from play caller and, and and elevating Ronald Curry, giving him more responsibilities. Like that seems to be like maybe off the table now. Shockingly. Um, so it seems like DA is going down with the ship and, uh, <laughs> like it's crazy, man. Like he's, he's just like a super stubborn guy, like a classic, like defensive coach who is very set in his ways. Um, and I, and I do think it's going to be his downfall. Like, I mean, I, it's like, it's like an order of operations. Like if we don't fix our offense by do our offense, isn't going to be fixed unless there's dramatic change. And I don't think there's going to be dramatic change. And if there is not dramatic change, I don't think we win this division and make the playoffs. And if we don't win this division, well, if we don't win the division, we're not making the playoffs. We're certainly not going to be a wild card team. Yeah. So if we don't make the playoffs by winning the division, 
like we've said, you have to believe that that was like the either stated or unstated minimum level of achievement that Mickey and like ownership had to see in order to not make a change. So like, I, I will jump off something very tall. If we don't <laughs> make the playoffs and DA is back for a third year, because that would be, th- this would be three years in a row without making the playoffs and like the locker room is just going to like further erode. So I, I like, ref- I refuse to believe that the blind faith in DA would be so great that he would get a third year if there's no midseason turnaround. Um, which all that is to say that, like, I don't think we're going to bring in John Gruden because I don't think he would be the head coach uh, next year. And I don't think DA would get the chance to bring in a new OC next year. Yeah. I mean, it really sucks to say that we would even consider rooting against this team because there's, you know, this whole podcast exists because they're such an important part of our lives. Um, But like, I feel like I've become my grandfather, you know, (laughs) who used to, who was, uh, you know, a 1967 season ticket holder who just was so hurt by this team's failures in the seventies and eighties that he gave away his season tickets and Mm. like never forgave them for all those losing seasons and all the heartbreak um well it's funny you mention our grandfathers i was about to mention the you know coming off of a (laughs) heartbreaking loss to the jags because my grandfather's funeral was on the day of the last time we lost to the jags which was the river city relay all sorts of incredible plays along the line for the saints to stay alive pending the extra point by john carney and he missed no! He missed the extra point wide right. Oh my God! How could he do that? This one is over as John Carney misses his first extra point of the season. Yes, a truly a banner day in my household. Like we just like buried my beloved grandfather and saw the greatest Saints comeback of all time to only have John Carney miss the extra point. And then the Saints missed the playoffs because of that. So, um, yeah. And yeah. my, my grandfather, grandpa Leck called me and laughed like moments after he heard that my grandfather had died. No, it was like, <laughs> I outlived that son of a bitch. Oh no. Oh God. No, he called me moments after, uh, Jim Henderson's famous call. Yeah. No! no! How can he do that? How can he do that? Uh, yeah, but now I get it. Like, I under, like yeah. I would laugh maniacally, you know, when... And right. I did laugh when Foster Moreau dropped the pass right. on Thursday night. A quick note about Foster Moreau. You know, some people were attacking him on Twitter, you know, throwing his cancer diagnosis back in his face, which is really horrible. But I will say this you know the people listening to this podcast know that i am no stranger to such personal tragedy um and anyone who has gone through something like that dropping probably 
<laughs> you know, they will probably understand that like when you go through something so horrible, you know, all you want is for your life to be normal and to yeah. be treated like a normal person. So I will give Foster Moreau that luxury. He beat the cancer. So like he's, you know, he's on the field. He's healthy. He should have made the fucking catch. So should have made the fucking catch. The crucial uh, catch. It was a loser, a game losing play made by a loser player on a team full of losers. So go Tigers. You know, glad he's healthy. It's great he beat cancer, but you know, catch the fucking ball, man. Yeah. Um, um, a Newman grad would have made that play probably. It, you know, <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Jesuit football just ain't got it anymore. Oh my God. Wow. Like That's... Teddy Brennan, you know, or Brian Poplar, one of our beloved Newman tight ends. Maybe they wow. would have caught that ball. You or I could have caught that fucking pass. Maybe. Maybe. The nearest defender was standing on Canal Street. Oh my God. Well, in the words do we have any of, other cancer uh, patients to bash today? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Alec Baldwin says in our one of our favorite movies, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. A loser is a loser. Because a loser is a loser. And that was Damn. a loser play. That's that is tough. No that special tough treatment. One. No special that treatment. A tough one. Not on this podcast. All right, we should talk about. Uh, the next game, which I'm sure we will lose. Uh, are we, we're in Indianapolis yep. next week playing the Colts. The Anthony Richardson-less Colts led by uh, Gardner Minshew. Mm -hmm. Gardner Minshew, who we made look really bad last year as the and Eagles backup. A couple years before that when he was in Jacksonville too. So yep. he does not play well against DA's defense. Um, However, Gardner Minshew lit up the number one defense in the league last week. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns, they scored what, like 37 points against them. Mm -hmm. He's, he had two rushing touchdowns and a passing to, or I think he had four total touchdowns, right? Two on the ground, two in the air. Maybe. He looked pretty damn good. And it's a little scary. If he can make that defense look bad, like what is he going to do to us? But who knows? This is a game the whole fan base probably expects us to lose. And. We'll probably win. Yeah. 305 passing yards, two touchdowns for I, Gardner Minshew. I think we win. Um, I think the defense continues. It's it's like mostly strong play. I mean, uh, the basic analytics and the I mean, basic stats and advanced analytics all have our defense continuing to be a top, solid top 10, like borderline top five defense in pretty, pretty much every, every category. Um, but the offense has to pull their share. And I do think that there will be a bounce back game from the offense. It's not going to be like a revelation or anything, but uh, I think we get back some, I think we'll get back and just Pete and well, I guess Pete played, but I think we get back Ryan Ramchek from his concussion and uh, Jawan Johnson back will help. And hopefully this mini buy has allowed for a little bit of coming to Jesus for our guys. Um, and uh, the offense kind of gets it together to an extent. but Yeah. I mean, look, it would be incredible, orgasmic, if suddenly DA and Pete Carmichael and Derek Carr were different people and we turned mm -hmm. it around and, and won every single game for the rest of the season. 
we have no evidence to suggest that will happen, but as much shit that I've talked, like I will wake up on Sunday morning, like ready to get hurt again. Always. That's, that's, that's what it means to be a Saints fan. So part of family market, which is the perfect blueprint for good ownership. They listen to their customers, make changes, and aren't afraid of a fire sale, unlike the ownership of a certain football team that this podcast is about. It's part of family markets. When the owners are there, it makes a difference. Black and Gold BS is also sponsored by AGI Specialty Valves, the pump protection valve experts. With over 35 years of experience, AGI Specialty Valves is the number one supplier of automatic recirculation valves for pump protection. Don't let preventable pump failures cost you. Contact AGI Specialty Valves at 832-485-0003 or info at agivalves.com. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Bryce for helping us produce the podcast. Uh, Like us, subscribe, do all of the internet things. um, And try to, I don't know, watch the Pels tomorrow night. Take your minds off of this dumpster fire. For Sean and Allison and Bryce, this is Jacob. Until next week, who dat? Who dat? Who dat?